Well, here's a picture of the headline, usatoday.com, last week of 2017. I don't know if you're a usatoday.com reader, but you may remember for several days, the cover page had a picture of Mother Teresa holding a child, and the question was, are you a good person? My immediate thought to that was, I'm not the best one to answer that question. I think those who spend the most time with me ought to be the better ones to ask that question to. Uh, but I clicked on the article, and the article went on to describe the number one resolution for 2018. Now, what's commonly the number one resolution? Like, for many, many years running, it's always like losing weight, right, most of the time, and exercising more, and saving money. But 2018, the number one resolution for this new year, more than losing weight, more than exercising, more than saving money, it's becoming a better person. Now that raises two questions. Who defines what a good person is and how do you become one? And I can't think of any teacher better than Jesus of Nazareth to address these topics. He's the wisest and the best with these kinds of questions. What does it mean to be a good person and how do you become one? So we've entitled this series, we're starting today, Disciple. Disciple is the Bible word for learner. So when you see the word disciple, I want you to immediately think just the posture of a learner or a student. So the Bible word is called discipleship and that simply means the process of growing spiritually. Or another way to look at discipleship is you enter Jesus' school of living, and with an open heart and open hands, you say, Jesus, teach me how to live. Teach me how to be a good person. Teach me who I really am. Teach me who you are. And I think he's the best at doing this. So to be a disciple is to be a learner. And you know, everybody has to learn how to live from somebody. You're currently learning how to live from someone. Be that parents, be that friends, be that family, be that some other person or perhaps someone you don't know well but are mimicking their life. You're learning how to live from somebody. I just think the wisest and best teacher about how to live is Jesus. Why not learn how to live from him? Someone who chooses to say, Jesus, I want you to teach me how to live. That person is called a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a disciple of Jesus, a learner of Jesus. You are coming as a student to him as the teacher, and you are saying, instruct me and guide me on how to do this thing called everyday life with you. And so that's what this series is gonna be about. And we're gonna just look at different aspects of what it means to enter Jesus' school of living. And today I want you to open your Bibles to Psalm chapter one. Psalm one, because here's what we're going to look at, a metaphor in Psalm 1 that kind of gives us an evaluation of our being and becoming quotient. Or I want you to think of Psalm, Psalm 1's answer to the question, are you a good person or how do you become one? Psalm 1's got some thoughts about that and it does it with a metaphor. And the psalm opens with this word, blessed. Now blessed is a Bible word for, you may want to put in your notes, 
blessed. You could just kind of circle it and just put the good life. So when the, when the Bible uses the word blessed, it means the good life. It means a pervasive sense of well-being, that things are just the way they're supposed to be. It's the blessed life. It's the good life. It's the way things are supposed to be. It's a pervasive sense of well-being. Blessed is the one who does not what? Does not walk in the counsel of the sinners or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. So there's this picture of the blessed life is choose that there's some things you're gonna say no to, which we'll get into in a minute. But then there's some things you're gonna say yes to, but their delight is in the law of the Lord. And on this law, you meditate day and night. You're like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf doesn't wither. Whatever you do prospers. So there's the first part of the metaphors, tree. And then the second part goes into verse five. But then what does verse four say? Not so the wicked. When you see the word wicked in the Bible, think godless. So it's kind of a strong term in the English language, but it's more people just choosing to do life without God really at the center. The Bible describes that as a godless person. So they say the godless, they're like chaff. Do you know what chaff is? Did you have it for breakfast? Chaff. So in the ancient world, this is how they would harvest grain. They would go out with a hand sickle and they would strike the stalks down. They would bind them together. And then here's an image of someone who's actually winnowing the chaff away from the grain. A winnowing fork is like a pitchfork. And they would wait until the afternoon winds got strong and they would take the pile of grain and they would toss it up into the air. And the strong winds would blow away the chaff. And what would remain in the pile was the good grain. So this would be very, so the psalmist knows this is a very common, so this would have been something you would see all across the landscape. And so the metaphor of the psalm is, hey, don't go the way of chaff. Instead, be about building trees. So chaff or tree, which way is it going to be is kind of how the psalm presents it. And when you think of chaff, I want you to think about like that image about the stuff in life that, you know, at the end of the run, it's just kind of, it's not going to matter as much. Chaff's just the stuff that, you know, we, we probably all need a little chaff inventory. I wrote a few questions out for me, just kind of an inventory of like the chaff quotient in my life. I got too much chaff stuff going on. It's that stuff that in the end just kind of blown away and it's not going to matter. That's why the language of the psalm is so strong that you don't want to get to the end of your one and only life and be staring at a pile of chaff. You don't want to do that. That's what the psalm, don't go that way. You don't want it to look like that, but in order to do that, you're going to have to say some no's. There's some things you're going to say no to if you don't want to kind of spend life in chaffdom. And what's the front end of the psalm talk about that? Look back at verse one now. Verse one says what? If you're gonna live the good life, if you're not gonna go the way of chaff, you're not gonna walk in the counsel of the godless, you're not gonna stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. I love how Eugene Peterson translated verse one. He said it this way. He says, you don't hang out at sin saloon. You don't slink along dead end road. So here's the principle from the first part of the psalm is, Who you run with affects who you become. Who you surround yourself with affects the kind of person you're gonna become. So if you you hang out at Sin Saloon 
And if you spend all your time surrounding yourself kind of on folks going dead-end road, don't be surprised if you're also on a dead-end road. Or if you're going to hang out with people who don't have much reverence for God, aren't really paying attention to the kind of person they're becoming, aren't really preoccupied with this, am I really a good person in God's eyes? Am I learning how to live in the kind of way that honors God? If you're not surrounding yourself with those kind of people, instead if you're surrounding yourself with people who are just kind of living for the moment, living for themselves, just kind of piling up chaff, then don't be surprised at the end of your life if you're staring at a pile of chaff. Because who you surround yourself with affects who you become. And so the first part of the psalm says, hey, you're going to have to make some really intentional decisions on some no's. You're going to say, you know what? I'm not going to go down that road anymore. I'm not going to be involved in that kind of setting anymore. I'm not going to put myself in that environment. Why? Because it's chaff stuff. In the end, it's just going to be blown away. And so for a chaff inventory, here's some things I wrote out and I put in your notes. If you haven't fired up your app yet and pulled up your notes that way, you can do that as well. But look on your note sheet. I put like a chaff inventory in a question like this I wrote out for myself and I offer to you. What are the relationships, activities, environments, and influences that leave me, that leave you distant from God and disconnected from the person, the kind of person he's created you to be? That's chaff. I'll say it again. What are the relationships, activities, environments, and influences that leave you distant from God and disconnected from the kind of person he's created and called you to be? That's what chaff is. To press it a little further, I put some bullets there. Are there certain people that when you spend time with them, the effect is a net negative? when it comes to you feeling alive in Christ and motivated to walk in his ways? Or a question like, are there certain activities that you participate in that you know make God seem distant? You know what I mean by that? Like, you participate in certain activities and you walk away from that and you just sense a distance, not a nearness with God on the other side of that activity. Or this question. Are there certain media influences that you allow to enter your eyes or ears that don't bring out God's best in you. They don't leave you refreshed on the inside. They deaden your soul. That's kind of a chaff inventory sheet there that I'm using in my own life and I offer to you. I think this would be a good week to spend some time with those questions and really reflect on the kind of trajectory of your life, the intentionality, where you're spending your time, your money, your energy, your resources, like what's getting the best of you? Is it in the chaff stream? The psalmist would raise the flag up and say, hey, careful, because if you're going down this road, you don't want to get to the end of your one and only life and be staring at a pile of that stuff. So it's kind of chaff in for it. There's some no's that we got to pay attention to as a part of this equation. And then the psalm transitions with a conjunction, but the other part of the metaphor. But then there's some yeses we want to say, right? Verse 2, but whose delight? So it draws the strong contrast to verse 1. Verse 2 says, hey, there's another way you can go about this. You could delight in the law of the Lord. You could meditate on it day and night. Verse 3, you could be like that person who's like a, a a tree planted by streams of water. So the whole psalm is built around this. Hey, don't go the way of the chaff. Go the way of a tree. Make it about a tree. Make today a tree day. Be about building trees. And what are trees about? 
Well, the psalmist talks about, they're the kind of folks who are planted, their roots are down by the stream of living water. They're meditating on God's word. They're gonna be able to flourish in all seasons of life. Whether you enter 2018 going through, it couldn't have gone any better entering 2018 or it couldn't be any worse going into 2018. The psalmist says there's a kind of life that allows you to flourish and bear fruit regardless of circumstances of life going like this. That's tree-like stuff. That you can have a tree that trees are interested in knowing God more deeply and walking with him and listening to the spirit. That's tree-like stuff. And so the psalmist gives us a picture of when Jesus is referring to, hey, what does it mean to enter my school of living and let me teach you how to live? Part of it is saying no to some things. You're saying, you know what? Part of the school of living, Jesus is gonna teach you some effective and intentional no's on chaff-like stuff. And then simultaneously some yeses on tree-building stuff. And the yesers are centered around, right, meditating on his ways, being immersed in his word, paying attention to the spirit, paying attention to questions like, am I a good person? How do I become one? Am I being more connected to who the person God's created and called me to be or not? Do I know Christ more deeply this year than I knew last year? That's tree-like stuff. And as we head into 2018, I'd like this morning to just kind of collectively declare 2018 as a tree-building year for Eagle Church. Let's build some trees in 2018, individually and together as a congregation, to make not just today a tree day, let's make tomorrow a tree day, to say some no's on the chaff and to some yeses on tree-building. So we're going to be about chaff elimination and tree-building. That's 2018 for us. And you say, well, Eric, that sounds like a lot of pastors speak. Like, what does that actually look like? And what does it mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. And that's why you have in your bulletin, you have this picture. I want you to pull this out. It's in your bulletin. If you don't have one, just glance on your neighbors. But this is a picture of what does it look like to be a body of people who are devoted to building trees together in 2018. This is our discipleship infrastructure as a church the best picture I can give you right now. We've been working on this for over a year. And so I want you to kind of internalize this and give you a little context to how we're gonna practically move out into some directions together, individually and collectively. It obviously starts at the base of the tree with roots. You can't have a tree without any roots. And so the rooted in Christ picture, there's an aspect, right? This is the beginning stages. So in a few weeks, we're gonna have some folks get baptized. You know, that's a big part of you being rooted in Christ. If you've never been baptized, here's the issue with baptism. A relationship with Jesus is very personal, always intended to be, but it was never supposed to be private. So some of you have been hiding behind the, I'm just gonna keep my faith private. Jesus says, hey, at some point you go public. Public is baptism. So if, you're, if you have a relationship with Christ and you've never gone public in the waters of baptism, that's a big step for your discipleship in 2018. I'd say a big yes you would wanna say to building trees this year is go into the waters of baptism. What's holding you back? Several hundred people looking at you soaking wet? That's not a good enough excuse for Jesus. He's thinking, hey, look what, he's probably saying, look what I gave up. And I'm asking you to get into some waters in a fairly discreet way inside a fairly temperature controlled environment 
Uh, you know what I'm saying? So from students to adults, I think we've got a number of folks who've been on the fence about this baptism issue that's in the rooted in Christ picture. It's part of the onboarding into the Christian life. It's part of the foundations. So some of you are just getting started in your faith. You're in the rooted stretch of this diagram. And we're gonna have some things in place to help you get well-rooted in Christ. And others of you are maybe returning to the faith. Maybe you grew up in it and you're kind of coming back. So that's the rooted picture. And then it flows up into the trunk of the tree. The roots flow into, the trunk is built around the great commandment. Jesus said you could summarize this whole book. A lot of people come to me and say, Pastor, this book is thick, complicated, difficult, a lot going on, a lot of people, a lot of time, a lot of places. Net this down for me. Pastor, hey, I'm not gonna be able to figure all this out. Give me the Cliff Notes version, 2018 style. Jesus already ahead of me on that one because they asked Jesus the same thing. And what did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There you go, you got the whole big book right there, the God-breathed book in a couple of verses. That's the trunk of the tree, loving God and loving others. That's kind of the center point, and then the leaves of the tree all are built, are kind of upheld by the trunk and the roots. And the leaves just represent the diversity of instruction in Jesus' school of living. All the different ways. You know, Jesus has a lot to say about how you raise your kids. He has a lot to say about how you handle your money. He has a lot to say about how you handle your work and your work rest rhythm. He has a lot to say about a lot of topics. You know that about Jesus? And he's the wisest and the best at all of them. Do you know why I follow Jesus? Because he's the best. There's no one better than him. I'm all in with Jesus because there's no one like him. He's the son of God, savior of the world, the wisest, the best, the most glorious one. Why would I not want to sign up for his class? And he's offering anybody to enter his class and say, I'll teach you how to live. And that all the branches of the tree are to represent just people who choose to enter his school of living and sit at his feet and say, Jesus, teach me about these things. Teach me about how to handle my sexuality. Teach me about grief and loss. You know, Jesus, he can teach us. So being a disciple, you with me here? This is what it means to be a disciple. We're gonna be a tree planted by his stream of living water. We're gonna bear fruit in season whose leaves are not gonna wither. We're gonna be like this. And we're gonna do this together. And the church has a role in this. We have a role to provide and assist this kind of infrastructure for all of us. And I wanna give you now a little insight into something we're gonna launch here in just a couple of weeks. It's the trunk of the tree class that we're gonna be starting on January 17th. Take a look at this video, give you a little insight. Discipleship in the past typically was when you come to church, you leave your emotions at the door and you deal with the very spiritual part of you. And then you can pick up all that emotional stuff when you go out. You don't actually deal with who, who you are on the inside. I couldn't deal with uh, conflict at all. I had an anger problem and I had an alcohol problem and I needed to face a lot of things. I knew that everything in my life needed to change. I just didn't think that it was important for me to kind of deal with those emotions. My Christian life is supposed to be perfect. It's supposed to be, you know, free from all like problems and conflicts. What I thought I knew, and I thought the way things should be was not the case. I didn't do hurt, I didn't do sadness. 
I didn't do anger. And the depression came like right after I dropped out of college and like I didn't have anything to do. And I hit a wall and I didn't know what it was. I felt like I was stuck. My 35-year-old aunt uh, died at 9-11. Our family, you know, for the most part, we're all Christians, but we never grieved her, her loss. I just felt, I just didn't know how. Through EHS, I realized that there was a lot of brokenness in me that needs to be repaired. And I release all those stuff that I thought that was buried and, and forgotten. The course was an invitation for me to kind of receive that healing in order for me to move forward. Uh, looking back at my family and understanding the things I had picked up from them, I was able to start doing work to make changes in my in my current relationship, in my relationships with my friends. I realize now that walls were not meant to make me bitter, but they were meant to make me better. And that that was God's way of dealing with some things in my life. And years ago, I couldn't even have done an interview like this because I was such a nervous wreck inside. Since I've learned that it's healthy to express yourself and to express those feelings, my relationship with Jesus got deeper and it became more open. I feel like now I can finally just openly tell him the things that's going on in my life and what I'm really feeling. EHS gave me the permission and God opened my eyes to it's like, look, that stuff inside of you is important. It gave permission to my head to understand it, but it really made my heart connect to it. I was connected to it. It just made so much sense to me. I really believe that the EHS course opens you up to the different ways that, that you can or, and are able to see God working in your life. Eight weeks seems like a long time, but it goes by like that. It becomes instinct and it's, it's so relieving to, and new like as a Christian. Give it a shot to take that step uh, of faith and knowing that at times it's going to be painful but at the end the result is awesome. There's a lot of baggage that, that, that needs to be released and until we dealt with it then it's we're stuck. My plead is to everyone take this course. So on January 17th, uh, I'll be facilitating our first Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course. That's what the EHS phrase means. It's the trunk of the tree on your diagram. I envision this course being offered throughout the year because it's going to be a center point of our structure. The trunk of the tree is going to have to just repeatedly be offered. So we're only going to take 60 folks into this first class. So most likely there's going to be a wait list. So if you haven't signed up yet, here's how you can sign up. Go ahead and put that up on the screen. So you got your app, you got your website. So I need you to sign up, and then we'll get back in touch with you as quick as we can and let you know if you're in the first group of 60 or if you're going to be on the wait list for the next class. But we're going to meet on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8.30. We'll have child care. There's going to be 10 table leaders, great table leaders who will help facilitate discussion. And then I'm just going to kind of help quarterback the class as a whole. But I can't think of a better yes you can say on making it a tree-building year than this particular step. So I want you to join me this year in declaring 2018 tree building year for Eagle Church. If 2016 was about next gen and getting that thing moving forward, if 2017 was about getting missions moving forward, 2018's about moving discipleship down the field because those are the three things we say were, hey, if you wanna know what Eagle's about, discipleship, missions, next gen. 2018 is the year for us to build some trees, eliminate some chaff, amen? And, you know, we can do all this, we can have all these classes, we can put together all this kind of infrastructure, but you know what the common denominator is 
for folks who are really growing spiritually and thriving in their walk with God, knowing God more deeply, becoming better connected with who they are, being a blessing to the world around them. Do you know the common denominator for all those folks is? The common denominator for people who are really going the way of a tree and eliminating chaff, the common denominator is this. They want to. They want to. So I leave you with this question as we go into a new year together. What do you want in 2018? What do you want? I want to know Christ more deeply this year. I want to be about his purposes in this world even more completely. I want to be a blessing to others around me. I want to have a better understanding of who I am and who he is. I want to be able to love others around me well, even those that are maybe more difficult to love. I want to be, I want to go that way. I want to be like the tree in Psalm 1. That's what I want for 2018. How about you? Can you imagine what it might look like if we strung together like 300 plus days of tree days? Like you just decide, all right, we're going to make January 7th a tree day. And then tomorrow morning, January 8th, a tree day. And then the 9th, a tree day. What if we strung together 300 plus tree days? Can you imagine how different your household may be? How about your work setting? How about your family dynamics? How about a congregational life? What would it look like for Eagle Church to have 2018 tree day after tree day after tree day? I think it would be the picture of what Jesus had in mind when he said, that's what it means to be a disciple. To enter my school of living and say, hey, teach me, teach me how to do this. Let's pray. So Father, we commit this new year to you and we're looking forward to all the ways you're gonna teach us and grow us. I pray you'd not just make today a tree day, but I pray you'd make this whole year a year about building trees and eliminating chaff. Lord, we look forward to the journey on Wednesday nights and we look forward to all that's gonna kind of spawn out of that and the other places of connection that'll come forth from it. I pray that you would help us move forward in our discipleship and disciple-making efforts as a body. And at the core of our being, help us to wrestle deeply with you. What do, what do you want? And stir up a holy desire for the things that you say matter the most. We pray it in Jesus' name, amen.